What's going on, Seven Footers gang? We're back. You know who it is. Gerard and Jenna here for another week of exciting news and tea around the association. Gerard, how you doing over there, my friend? Chilling, chilling. Can't complain. You know, NBA action is fantastic, as they say. Um, lots going on on and off the floor, as we are well aware. <laughs> You know how it is in these streets. <laughs> I mean, geez, I didn't know if I was reading like TMZ this week or ESPN. That shit was blending, blending. But let's kick things off on a really positive note here because, again, we told you guys last week that the Warriors, they're pretty much back. I mean, we're having a lot of nostalgia <laughs> here. At least I am. You know how I get. <laughs> but Steph Curry made history, oldest player to notch 50 points and 10 assists in a game. Now, I mean, he made Warriors franchise history and it's just great company that he is in. I mean, and the fact that he's doing this in arguably what, do you think he's still in his prime? Oh, I mean, yeah. At 33, I think. Tail what end. Well, yeah, sure. The tail end. But I think what we're seeing now is that players can have the ability to have an extended prime given all the True. advances of modern medicine and technology. That is very true. I mean, it's Steph Curry out here in these streets showing us that he, Father Time has not even <laughs> met him yet in the same room. And like it has other players potentially. We'll, we'll re get there. Remember what I said uh, the last episode of the episode before last? So the year after, so the year that they were in the finals last against the Raptors, that was five straight trips to the NBA finals. What happened the next year? He broke his wrist, was essentially out for the whole season. The next year, and plus the COVID break in between. The next year, they didn't make the playoffs, right? So he's had a lot of extra time to rest and recover. So it's not surprising that after a grueling five-year run of the NBA Finals and then essentially two, two years of postseason being off, that he's like coming out of the gate looking stronger and better than ever. And Steve Kerr is saying that he's the strongest and fittest he's been in his entire career. Yeah, I thought that was super interesting when Steve said that. Not that I think Steph Curry isn't capable of being fit at the age that he is uh, at 33 right now, but very interesting to see how things pan out. That really, if you think about it, these young guys in their 20s thinking maybe, yeah, like, I got it. I'm the man. But like, look at Steph Curry right now. He's the man right now. You know what I mean? Not that he hasn't been, but mm -hmm. like, look how long he's... He's pulling this longevity, I should say, no of his prime, like going off of your point. But yeah, third player in Warriors uh, franchise history to do it next to Will Chamberlain in 1963 and Rick Barry in 1974. That's a big gap. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, it's a big yeah. gap just for you guys out there. Legendary. So my question is, does this, and I know you're not this kind of guy, but we have <laughs> to ask for everybody out there. What does this put Steph Curry in a different category now, or should we be putting him in a different category now? What conversations should he be thrown into after this type of accolade? Well, look, I mean, I think his career is still growing and evolving. He's still earning accolades, right? Look, he's a two-time uh, league MVP. He's a three-time NBA champ, right? Uh, already no greatest shooter of all time. He will soon 
become the all-time three-pointers made a leader, um, you know, when he passes Ray Allen. So, you know, he he's, he's carving out a career that when it's all said and done, he will have a legitimate argument potentially as being top 10 all-time, all right? And that's that's incredible, right? Um, it's more than the shooting, right? I mean, it's it's everything, and it's the way he's redefined the game. So, yeah. He he is he is putting together a hell of a career. Of course, first ballot Hall of Famer, all that. That's no brainer. NBA 75th anniversary team, all that. But you know, really, when it's all said and done, he has a chance to you know really say, hey, top ten all time for sure. Heck yeah! Well, let's talk about bigger picture. The Dubs as a whole. The Dubs right now are leading the West. They are nine and one, and. They're incredible. I mean, they're number two in net rating right now, number two in defensive rating, and number eight in offensive rating. I mean, what do we make of these Warriors right now in in this current season? And let me point out that we are without Clay Thompson. So who they're targeting a return for him for Christmas. But until then, he's coming off the Achilles to ACL. I'm assuming there will be a minutes restriction and all that, easing him back into it. But Let's talk about the Warriors right now, present day, nine and one, top of the West. What do you make of these this team? Jenna, they're they're looking fantastic as a team. Like they just are. Um, you know, it, it, look, it's early, right? We're ten games into the season, and my thing is, as you know, let's see where we are twenty games, right? Because twenty games is the quarter quarter away mark. That's a quarter of the way through the season. Let's see mm-hmm. what trends have held. I will say this: they're nine and one. You mentioned they're number two in adjusted net rating. Uh, number two in, in adjusted defensive rating and number eight in adjusted offensive rating. Now, the only sort of cold water I'll throw on that is, is that the Warriors have played the worst schedule, or should I say the easiest schedule in the mm-hmm. NBA through 10 games, right? However, listen, that's not their fault. You beat who's in front of you. And so not only are they beating the, the, the worst teams in the league, they're blowing them out, right? And that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to beat up on the bad teams and they are, in fact, doing that. Um, so I'm loving what I'm seeing. Those two years of not making the playoffs and the year when uh, Steve Kerr said we're not chasing wins, there's kind of a long view in mind there, right? Jordan Poole, Juan Toscano-Anderson, all these players were developing because, Jenna, as you know, it is hard when you are a role player to play around and off of superstars. It ain't just... Hey, man, go stand in the corner. No, 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 no. You have to know where you're supposed to be, where to move, where to cut to play off of a unique player like Stephen Curry, who does so much movement himself, right? And know where to be defensively. And that takes time when you're a young player. Like, young players don't know what the hell they're doing with that stuff. And particularly with the Warriors system on offense, that read and react system. It's it's something unlike they've played before in their lives. And we saw James Wiseman struggle with that his rookie year last season. Well, these guys have gotten better, Jenna. And now Curry back, he's healthy. Draymond fully energized. This team is dangerous. I'm going to say this. Like, again, I want to see where they are 20 games in. But given the rest of the Western Conference, look, it's looking good for the city by the bay. Heck yeah, it is. Talk about a turnaround. I mean, they are the the definition in my recent memory of just stick it out it's gonna be okay and here we are yeah (laughs) I mean honestly talk about impressive though you mentioned him I know we got to move on but Jordan Poole I mean showing out I mean oh my gosh Gary Payton uh the Mm -hmm. second Mm -hmm. geez Andrew Wiggins is playing well yeah man uh this is great 
Otto Porter, I mean, look, uh, Bielitsa, listen, they, what they are surrounded by on this team now, Jenna, are high IQ basketball players. And again, when you are playing in a read and react system like the Warriors and around a unique talent like Steph Curry, you need high IQ players. That's how this is going to work. And look, it, as I said, it is looking fantastic. They're playing extraordinary defense. Um, uh, and you mentioned Clay Thompson not even back yet. Uh, good things. <laughs> Honestly, I mean, and he's looking good. Again, in just some highlights that we're seeing. And you made a good point earlier about, you know, this Warriors team getting so much rest, especially Clay. And again, Clay's going through a different type of rest and recovery, more extensive one. But it's great that he has all of this time and had all this time. So again, we'll see how that all plays out. We'll keep an eye on those dubs because they're shining up in the bay there. So yeah, it, 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 the last thing I'll say, uh, Jenna, is I mentioned about the Western Conference, right? Um, mm-hmm. Look, the Lakers are a disaster right now. I don't know what's happening there. The Clippers aren't going to have Kawhi all season. So unfortunate as well. that's a problem. Uh, Michael Porter Jr. Uh, is out for the foreseeable future, according to Mike Malone. Are you about to say that the Warriors could contend for a championship? Look, I, I, the Phoenix Suns, they're kind of coming around. Utah's fine. But, I mean, who else in that in the West is concerning you? Dallas? Whew, no. The Blazers? <laughs> no. I mean, I love my Grizzlies, but, you know, and they'll be fine. But they're not ready to make that next leap up yet. Look. Look, I'm not saying the Warriors are going to win the West, but given all the things I just said, again, I'll see where they are 20 games in, but that West looking really weak at the top, particularly, or I'm saying in after Utah and Phoenix, and let's be real, the, the, the dubs are ahead of them all right now. And yeah. with that easy schedule they had, they may have been able to race out to a nice lead that yeah. maybe teams can't catch them. Again, early. I'm just saying. They have a nice little lead right now, so we'll see if they can hold on to it. Um, let's let's talk about some more dramatic things because it's mm. the association. <laughs> what isn't dramatic these days? Because I just can smash everything near me. So let's talk about what went down on uh, Monday night. Mm-hmm. We have to talk about the scuffle between Markeith Morris and Nikola Jokic. They got into it, and now it's spilled into somehow uh, Jokic's brothers being involved. There's a Twitter <laughs> war going on with the Morris brothers because, as we know, the Morris brothers love a good scuffle. So let's talk about this between the Nuggets and the Heat. It didn't matter that Denver won because all that mattered at the end of the game was the two ejections in Jokic and Morris and then a technical foul because it's Jimmy Butler and he had to get some words in as well because why not? He is the ultimate friend, though. We'll circle back to that mm-hmm. in a second. But let's go down the line here because in the short, it all started when uh, Morris had a hard foul on Jokic. Jokic obviously remembered that one because when he came back down the court, he completely blindsided Morris, hit him from behind. Morris's head looked like it snapped back a little bit. The neck area there, who knows? I'm no doctor. He hits the floor. The medical staff comes out, but he walks out to the bench on his own. Then everybody gets into it. The coaches come out. They're yelling words. Butler gets a technical. Both guys ejected. Dent, dent ejected. 
Denver wins the game. Ben, did you see the photo? Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, I saw the photo. If we had a production team, we would show you the photo <laughs> right here. So this awesome Denver-based photographer catches this photo backstage at Ball Arena in Denver. And it is iconic, to be honest. And I'm, I hope nobody was hurt at all, but just the photo was iconic. It is literally... It's one of it has to be one of the front office guys from oh, Denver standing because no, it, championship it was, ring. It was Andy Ellsberg. It was yes. a Miami Heat's uh GM yes. who was who was blocking the door. <laughs> yes. He's blocking the door, not gonna lie, it made him look real good. He looked really authoritative. And the the championship ring, of course, was in the photo there, shining bright, I'm assuming. But anyway, let's get to the nitty-gritty. It was Bam Adebayo, Kyle Lowry, and Jimmy Butler, Stoneface, at the door, waiting to get a piece of the Nuggets, probably just Jokic, because let's not jump everybody. And at the at the locker room door, clearly they didn't get by in the photo anyway. We don't know what happened after that behind the scenes. I'm assuming nothing, but we'll wait for the tapes to emerge, maybe on social media. But... Yeah, that photo. It reminds me a little bit of the Clippers hallway with CP3. He's <laughs> probably at home giggling. Um, what do you make of this? I mean, before we get into the sports side of it, because it's blown up into this entirely dramatic thing, like I just had a dramatic narrative just now. But what do you really make of this? I know you had some thoughts. Yeah. And I would love to know. And a lot of arguments I'm seeing on uh, TV and on social media are more so of, you know, who's to blame? Was it Morris that started right. it? But Jokic, you don't hit somebody from behind and blindside them like that. Right. What do you make of it? Look, the Miami Heat are probably the most physical team in the NBA. Okay. Yes. And the way that the officiating has been going this season, allowing a little bit more physical play, this is Miami is thriving. They are the kind of team, Jenna, that plays up to and sometimes over the line with their physicality. Bumping cutters constantly, right? After the whistle, a little extra nudge, right? Playing people hard when they come to the rim. All the, all the hallmarks of Pat Riley and how he believes basketball should be played. Mm-hmm. Okay. In that game, when Morris uh, did the, as Eric Spolster called it, called it, the take foul on Nikola Jokic. Your game was 111 to 96 at that point. Game was over with two and two and change left. Miami wasn't coming back. Okay, you wanted to stop that semi-break by Jokic. Jenna, we've seen that before. If you want to stop a semi-break, all you gotta do is wrap the guy up around in the arms, hug him. That's it. Slow it down, right? And everybody goes about their business, foul, no problem. But Morris didn't do that, did he? He decided to, right, and by his own admission, he went on Twitter and said it, take a hard foul. Why? Mm-hmm. Because that's heat culture, right? That's what they believe as toughness. I see it differently. That's not tough to me. Like, that's weak, in my opinion. Like, you're getting your ass kicked. You were getting your ass kicked all game. And this is your response. Well, we're going to be physical with them. And and, and again, that's a culture in sports. And one of the things that, like, I don't subscribe to. I never subscribe to the, 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 the belief or the opinion that if some guy is cooking me one-on-one or whatever... Because I can't stop him, my next reaction is now to commit violence. Yo, how about you play better defense? How about that? Right? Like, it, it ain't his fault I'm, I'm getting cooked. Right? I need to be better. Look inward. So this whole idea about toughness, I don't buy into that. Now, should Jokic have pushed Morris from behind? Should he done that? He could have responded differently. No doubt about it. But to me, and we do this thing all the time in sports, 
Why are we more mad at the retaliator than the person who initiated? Again, mm-hmm. if he just hugged them and wrapped them up, this is not, we don't this isn't this doesn't happen. We just move on, life is fine. But no, Morris had to go that extra step. And he turns his back. My my guy, why would you turn your back after committing a hard foul like that? Did you think that Jokic wasn't about that life? Because clearly he was and came after you, right? Is this an idea of Morris thinking, ah, Jokic is soft. He ain't going to do nothing. Look, Mm -hmm. you can call Jokic a lot of things. Soft definitely ain't one of them, okay? He is not soft. And, you know, again, the idea that I can just do that and nothing's going to happen. He won't retaliate. Listen, the Miami Heat don't get to be let off the hook on this. Like, that was wrong, and Eric Spolstra, that was a dirty play. No, listen, man, no. Morris, he started it. That was a dirty play, right? You did not need to Mm -hmm. do the body check. If it was a take foul, we've seen take fouls. You just wrap him up with your arms with a take foul. You grab his jersey. No need, right, to do the body check. No, you thought you were sending a message. And Jokic responded and said, oh, well, I'm going to send a message back to you, buddy. If you want to think this is how we're going to play this game. He did. I mean, yeah. And it, it continued to carry over after the game. Uh, in the post game, first of all, Jokic did come back and say, you know, it was a stupid play. It was a bad move on my part. He did add that he needed to protect himself. Yes. Um, yeah. And, you know, he kind of tried to, in my opinion, close the door on the subject. But the Morris brothers don't, they don't play that way. <laughs> And first, it was um, it was Marcus Morris who tweeted. Mm-hmm. Actually, it said uh, he said, "quote Wait till bro, oh waited till bro turned his back, shaking my head, noted." Okay, he's gonna remember that one. So we have that, and then uh, it somehow gets confirmed that Jokic's brothers, mm-hmm. his two brothers, yep. who look very large, mm-hmm. um, like mm-hmm. like scary yeah. that they could <laughs> fight you. Um, Made a joint Twitter account, I guess, which is hilarious with no avatar, um, unless they've updated it. And they said, quote, you should leave this the way it is instead of publicly threatening our brother. Your brother made a dirty play first. If you want to take a step further, be sure we will be waiting for you. And and, and I love that, Jenna, because I, I want to make something, point something out here. It's American basketball players often think of Europeans as soft, Right. That's been a label that's just been out there for a very long time. Um, maybe at one time it was warranted. It ain't warranted now. I would just like to point out that Nikola Jokic and his brothers are from a country in Eastern Europe called Serbia. For those of you that don't know much about Serbia, perhaps you should do some Googling and a little bit of, uh, you know, a little bit of cursory research into that country uh, it's war-torn uh, 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 period of time, and that particularly that the tail end of that war, of, of that of that Bosnian War was when uh, Jokic was growing up. Jokic talked about bombings, having to like you know go to bomb shelters and different things. I'm not saying Jokic is the toughest guy in the world, but if you grow up in a place where you had to worry about bombings, I'm pretty sure. I'm not too worried about Marcus and Markeith Morris and whatever kind of beef they think they have, right? Like, so this idea that like uh, Marcus Morris is like noted and all this other stuff, it's like, look, y'all may be from North Philly and you might be tough, but that's like, that's that American exceptionalism as if North Philadelphia or the American tough cities 
are the only place where tough people in the world live. Again, Serbia during that, no joke. Okay, so I would just say let's not have this escalate into something more than it needs to be. True, true. And it looks like that's exactly what went down because Marcus Morris then tweeted that his mom told him to get off of Twitter. So he said, <laughs> OK, love you, mom. And he did not tweet. So thanks, mom, for saving us another NBA fight that we don't need. So, again, on a real note, though, uh, it's unclear if Jokic will uh, be handed down a suspension. He probably will be. He probably will be. Yeah, With a flagrant two, he's probably going to get at least two games. Take a look at that. Yeah, two, you think? Probably two, yep. All right. All right. We shall see. Um, darn scuffles. What happens <laughs> when you play Miami, man? Well, Pat Riley, UD is probably like, let's go, boys. That's what I like to see. I mean, I would like to point out these two teams do play each other in three weeks in Miami on the 29th, I believe. So uh, we shall see how that what what, what happens then. <laughs> wow. It's going to be fun. I wish I was going to be in the 305. <laughs> Girl can dream. All right. Let's have some fun here and talk about which top five teams are we loving right now? Mm. Because, again, still early in the season, but we have enough to go off of that we can get a pretty good narrative of what we're going to be seeing here. Pending injury and, of course, all of the mysterious things that go on in the association. So how do you want to do this, Gerard? So we'll go back and forth. We'll start with five and then we'll count our way up. So you start with who's your number five team. Okay. My number five team is the Hornets. Ooh, okay, okay. Yeah, I'm loving the Hornets. Um, and I say this because when's the last time we talked about the Hornets? <laughs> well, like, they started they, they started the year well. They started the year well, but I mean like before this. Really, mm-hmm. like, you know, we had our classic dumpster fires. Hornets were one of them. And I'm so proud of them. I talked so much shit, and I'll admit it. I'm looking right in the camera. <laughs> I admit it. But these Hornets, I like what I'm seeing. Um, I love LaMelo Ball. I can't I can't say enough good things about him. And I say this. I put them on my list, honestly, because of what I saw last night. And that was them taking the Lakers to overtime, okay? <laughs> yes, they lost, but it was by three points. That's it. That's it. See how unbiased I am right now? I, I, I see it. I see it. Like, the the yeah, Hornets started the year here. well. They, they've been struggling a little bit lately, but no, it's, it's, not, it's not a bad pick. I'm going to go with the 76ers. I, I like it. The Philadelphia 76ers is my number five team. Look, no Ben Simmons. Tobias Harris is in COVID safety protocol. Embiid's missed a game or two here. They're playing well, man. Doc's got these guys. Tyrese Maxey, Shake Milton. Uh, um, Forkmon Corkmons is playing out of his mind. Seth Curry is shooting lights out. Like, Heck yeah. They're doing well. So I, I like the Sixers as, my, as, as number five. Who do you got as four? Honestly, the Sixers. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> they, I'm impressed. Everything that you just said going off of that, I won't even stay long on it. But I mean, eight and three record, they're leading the East right now, all going through this adversity period. And I hate the word adversity, but I just use it too much. <laughs> but, you know, everything that they're going through with Ben Simmons from a team standpoint to a front office standpoint to a media and public standpoint. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure these guys don't hear the end of it. And to stay locked in like that and perform like this uh, out the gate it says a lot about this team. It says a lot about Doc Rivers. They're my number four. My number four is Chicago Bulls. Look, I, I, it's still early, and they played a soft schedule until last night when they played the Brooklyn Nets. Um, and, you know, they, they did turn it on in the fourth quarter and, and end up blowing that game out in the fourth. 
Uh, I will like to mention the Nets were on the second out of a back-to-back. So, you know, take that for what it's worth. But Chicago was a lot better than I thought. The DeRozan, Lonzo Ball, Zach Levine, um, Nikola Vucevic core four. That's Mm -hmm. working right now. Uh, Again, I want to see where they are at 20 games in. But through 10, I like what I see. All right. Who do you got? It's number three. Yes. My number three is Miami. Mm. They are right down there uh, below the Sixers in the East. Mm. Uh, You know, I love this addition in Kyle Lowry. He's adjusted to the heat culture so perfectly and in a non-controversial way with the toughness, but Mm. he's, he's running with them. He's, he's really fitting in, in all aspects. And I like it. You love to see a guy, a good guy fit in after a move from a team that he's been with for a while. And he was a staple. I love it. And again, the heat are just showing out after a pretty bad slump. So after going to the conference finals and the NBA finals, I mean, so, you know, Kudos to them. If they keep playing like this, they're going to be serious in the East. Yeah, I'm with you. Miami Heat's my number three team as well. Um, for the, thing, the reasons you said, the one thing that worries me about the Heat is their depth, right? Like if the, if Lowry or Butler or any one of those main guys suffers an injury, bam, uh, th- that bench okay. doesn't have much. Um, but I'm loving what I'm seeing defensively out of them. Kyle's fitting right in. I still worry about their shot creation come playoff time if they have enough guys to do that. But so far, I'm loving it. They are, they're killing. All right, who's your number two team? My number two team is the Bulls. And again, for all the reasons you said, I love the experiment in that core four. I love the way they're clicking. DeMar DeRozan, Lonzo Ball. I mean, and Zach Levine coming off of an incredible season and mm-hmm. just continuing to play so, so well. And Again, I mean, Chicago's alive. I mean, I didn't think I would say this, but again, they're up there number three in the East, tied with the Heat. I mean, when's the last time you've seen that? I mean, we're usually seeing Derek it in double Rose. digits. <laughs> when Derek Rose Honestly, is winning MVPs. <laughs> for real, though. I mean, you know, wow. That was a while ago. Yeah. So, yeah, again, just made the whole entire point. I mean, the Bulls, dare I say the Bulls are back. I, I like mean, it. I like it. Uh, okay. All right, my number two is the Golden State Warriors. Uh, we talked about them just at the top of the show. Again, I know their schedule has been easy and soft, but they're blowing out the teams they're supposed to blow out. Nine and one. Uh, they're killing on offense and defense right now, looking excellent on both sides of the ball. If they're able to maintain this and Clay is back at like even 80%, Jenna, like, again, given what's going on in the Western Conference, they could come out and not surprise anybody, right? They're going to be like, oh, look, the Warriors won the West because mm-hmm. they have the championship pedigree. We know that, right? So I'm liking the Warriors. All right. Who do you got as your number one team so far? The Warriors. <laughs> I've never been so in tune with you in my life. Um, the Warriors, again, for every reason that we said at the top of the show, everything that you just said, they're 9-1 and one in the West, obviously leading that conference and not just by a game like they're they're creating a gap if they keep this up and keep it up long enough I mean before you know it we'll be at Christmas then all-star break and then shit gets serious so again the narrative can shift super fast which is why I love the NBA but these warriors are super impressive and it's really nice to see after a couple years of purgatory really so I love what we're seeing out of Steph you can't help but be happy for the guy I mean He's one of those players like Dwayne Wade. You just love to see him Mm -hmm. succeed Mm -hmm. um, even on his own. So I'm impressed with these Warriors. I never questioned the coaching, obviously. (laughs) And 
their role players have just stepped up again. I mean, I yeah. don't know if they're just showing out because I don't know, but like if they keep it up, I mean, and Clay comes back and then they have, you know, these extra guys to really fill gaps. I mean, there are the problems. Dub Nation, rise up. I was say, get excited, City by the Bay. Uh, my number one team is Utah Jazz. Um, you know, Ooh. they, you know, despite that uh, seven and three record, which of course seven and three is still excellent, they are number one in adjusted net rating uh, in the league right now. Number one on offense, number nine on defense. They're doing Jazz things. Yes, I know what everybody's going to say. Do it come playoff time. Yeah, we know this team has to prove itself when the postseason mm-hmm. comes. Donovan Mitchell said. We got to get to at least the conference finals or else, you know, what, what is his regular season success? So I'm with them 100% yep. agreed. But right now, the way they're looking, regular season, this team is looking excellent again. All right. Those are our top five. Loved it. <clears throat> oh, that was fun. We need to do that more. <laughs> I really enjoyed that. That was good. Um, Let's catch you guys up on some news and notes here. Like we always like to do, keep you in the know because we got more updates in the Sixers saga with Ben Simmons. It looks like things could be looking up, but you really don't know what the situation lately. Uh, it's like a roller coaster, but Ben Simmons agrees to meet with the 76ers mental health professionals. So before this, he had been refusing to meet with the Sixers personnel and their medical professionals. Now he has agreed. There was a meeting apparently on Monday. Nobody really knows what it entailed, but sources have told ESPN that he has agreed to take this next step with them. Once that happens, I assume that they are more on track with his mental readiness to get him back on the floor. But again, that seems like it's still at a standstill. Um, And so far, we know that they have reinstated the fines Mm, that they had initially pulled when he mentioned his mental health. Yeah, it's a difficult scenario because they, anytime you're you're broaching the subject of mental health, they have to take it seriously. Mm -hmm. Now, I want to be clear about something. Ben was refusing to meet with the Sixers mental health professionals, but mm-hmm. he was working with the MBPA's mental health professionals. Yes. Um, and apparently that information was not being shared though with the Sixers and, and yes. that was their issue. And that was their issue that he was not sharing the, the, uh, the findings from those sessions, those notes mm-hmm. with the Sixers health professionals. And that opens up a whole other can of like worms, so to speak. Right. The MBPA is the union and the players association designed to protect the player's interest. Should Ben Simmons, if he's talking to those health professionals, should he have to share that information with the Sixers mental health professionals? Because let's be honest, Sixers doctors and Sixers mental health professionals do not work for Ben Simmons. They work for the Philadelphia 76ers. There could be a conflict of interest, right? I mean, it's just a slippery slope. The bottom line is Ben does not want to suit up for the 76ers. This is where this is all stemming from. Um, And the Sixers are trying to figure out a way. How can we get this to a point where we at least get you on the court to play? Or we get you working with our professionals so that we have some kind of game plan in mind before that December 15th deadline. Because I don't know how this is going to drag along all season. It's just... Now, look, the Sixers are winning right now. So it's not that big of a deal, right? So, but... If all of a sudden things start going haywire and they're losing, where, where do we go from here? So this is, you know, as the as the Ben Simmons world turns is, is where we are. So Ben Simmons wants a trade, right? Mm-hmm. And there have been talks. We'll get to it in a second. But this is where I'm I'm confused with the situation. I'm not even sure if this is public knowledge. I'm questioning this, I guess, as an outsider, aside from a journalist. But... Ben Simmons told the Sixers that he is not mentally ready to play. Mm -hmm. However, if the Sixers come to him and say, hey, 
we've just agreed to a trade with so-and-so mm -hmm. and his camp's happy about it. Does he go back and continue mental health treatment with that team? Or does he suit up right away because he got a trade? I'm not implying or suggesting. No, I, I, I know what you're saying. No, I'm just it. saying, is he not like, are we only waiting on the mental health aspect of it? Or is he not suiting up for the Sixers? Well, look, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I'm with you. Look, I think. I can't, we can't come out here and say if Ben Simmons is lying or not about needing, like, I don't know that. What yeah. I do know is the situation with the Sixers is not salvageable. I know that. Mm -hmm. And if that relationship, if that is causing him any level of mental anguish, I can't, I can't determine that. But mm -hmm. that's the reason I'm assuming why he is seeking the mental health, right? It is that the situation with Philadelphia has become untenable and it is affecting me mentally, right? That's that's where I that's the only thing mm -hmm. we, we we can ascertain and assume. Um, again, I'm not going to call him a liar or say he's making it up right, or whatever. Right. I don't I don't know any of that, um, but I do know that that relationship unsalvageable, and so mm -hmm. he does not want to suit up for them. So until he gets moved away, and guess what? That change of scenery and new environment, yeah. That may change things for him from a mental approach. But right. staying in Philly, not going to. No, 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 no. Um, we shall see what's going on there. Again, Daryl Morey hasn't lowered that high, steep asking price for Simmons. So there, whoever it may be is going to have to trade away a star because no that's doubt. what Daryl Morey wants. He's Correct. in win-now mode. And of course, rightfully so, but I mean, that's going to make it harder for Simmons to be placed. We'll see. We'll keep an eye out. On to happier times, because Giannis Antetokounmpo and his brother <laughs> and the fuck visited Joe Biden at the White House, being the reigning NBA champions that they are. And it was great. I mean, anybody who knows Giannis Antetokounmpo and his family's story about how, you know, this is a 180 for them. They were poor selling CDs and things on the street to and sharing shoes as brothers um, when they were kids and in Greece. So incredible moment for them to uh, be there at the White House. Uh, Giannis gave a great speech. What were your thoughts about all that? That's a, that's a sweet little moment. Yeah, that's more of a your kind of thing. <laughs> no, it, I, I didn't dislike it. It's just kind of like, all right, you want to championship, you go to the White House, cool. I mean, it, it is cool, right, that, that the Giannis story, um, you know, sort of, and his family story, um, and a great moment for the Bucks, right? I mean, like, winning a championship is hard. Like, I, again, I don't, we talk about this all the time, fans get caught up in this rings culture and just think that it's like, oh, you just, like, no, don't let LeBron and the Warriors and the Bulls and all these teams that are dynasties fool you into thinking, oh, you just get on a roll and you win titles. No, you don't. Like, look through the history of the NBA and the amount of great players, Hall of Famers, NBA 75th anniversary team players who have never won an NBA championship. It's fucking hard, man. Real hard. So, yeah. a trip to the White House as, as, as part of your congrats, as part of your your your, your prize and your the spoils of your success. Wonderful. Gotta love it. Uh Let's go to Boston. Bad news in Boston. I mean, it just rolls right off the tongue at this point <laughs> because uh, Jalen Brown is uh, this is not 
funny, though. On Monday, head coach Ime Udoka announced that Jalen Brown is out one to two weeks with that right hamstring strain that already caused him to miss a game. The Celtics are, what, four and six? I mean, this comes after, um, what's his name? Marcus Marcus Smart Smart Mm -hmm. said in the news that, you know, Brown and Jason Tatum need to learn to pass the ball and kind of basically opened the floodgates Mm -hmm, to mm -hmm. there's a rift in the locker room Mm -hmm. uh, narratives. So what does this mean for the Celtics? I mean, the Celtics are also in uh, rumored talks that they were chatting with the Sixers about Ben Simmons. So that's a whole other storyline. That's interesting. Break it down. But they might be related though, Jenna, right? Remember what I said last week? Is there an alpha problem brewing between Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum? Jalen Brown is starting the season playing much better offensively and defensively than Jason Tatum. He's already a better defender, but his shooting numbers and everything are, have been better. Yeah, Brown you is know, shooting career high, 25.6 points right now per game. He, his true shooting and effective field goal percentage are the highest of his careers, and Tatum has been off to a slow start. This one to two weeks of Brown being out, is that now Tatum now wrestling control back of the team and being the alpha and taking all the shots again? And this story about getting Ben Simmons in a trade. You do realize that Ben Simmons in a trade, first of all, whether it's true or not, let's put that to the side. A trade with Philly for Ben Simmons was have to include either Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown, right? That's just yep. that's how that's going to be. Is mm-hmm. that something now president of basketball operations, Brad Stevens, would consider because of a potential alpha conflict brewing brewing between Jalen and Jason. I don't know that it is. I haven't talked to anyone in Boston, but you know, Marcus Smart saying what he said and you can, you know, you can see hmm, this could be a thing potentially. So it's something that bears repeating. It bears watching. Uh, this is a bad time for the Celtics for Jalen Brown to go down because now look, now it's just Jason Tatum and some dudes, right? Like, Okay. <laughs> I mean, look, no disrespect to Marcus Smart and Horford and the Time Lord, but it's like, you know, what what, <laughs> what could potentially make the Celtics special are those two wings, are Tatum and Brown together, right? Well, now it's only one of them. So we'll see. Man, this is this is not good for the Celtics, just because, again, first-year head coach in Udoka, and you trade away Kemba Walker to mm-hmm. the Thunder. He ends up with the Knicks. What's up? But, um, I mean, what's going on? I mean, not good. Not good. And it, plus, Jalen Brown, he was hurt at the end of the season last season. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So this was supposed to be kind of a little bit of a resurgence mm-hmm, of sorts. Mm-hmm. Um, it'll be interesting. I hate to say this, but I, I think that Marcus Smart, there could be a, you're right, an alpha problem. In could Boston, be. could be. Who knows? I, it, this is the this is the stage where it becomes challenging because when you're a young NBA player and you're coming into your own and you're developing, you want to shine, and it's hard to sometimes share the spotlight with another guy who is also ascending and shine. Right? It's a, it's a it's a delicate balance um, mm-hmm. of, of of walking that line, and we know through the history of the NBA, dynamic duos that particularly when they were younger, splitting up because of the sharing the spotlight thing. Right? It's it's a thing. It's a thing. Oh, a thing it is. But what is not a thing is the fact that we're not going to be splitting up because we'll be back <laughs> next week. <laughs>
<laughs> we will, in fact, be back. I see what you did there. It's well done. Well done. Guys, you know where you can find us. Of course, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube. We're going to have some news uh, coming soon. The the Seven Footers Basketball Podcast will be moving to um, a new podcast platform. No, we're still going to be on Apple, Spotify, all that stuff. But we're going to be with a collection of other awesome podcasts. We're really excited to announce that. So stay tuned. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at Seven Footers Pod, on Instagram at Seven Footers Podcast, at JS Hector, at Gentleman Selly, so you can find out and hear about that exciting news. And until next time, peace. Spent a couple years out here with these raps Trying to have a plan that we may come true Plotted some jobs but I ain't hit back I don't want to trap, what's a man gonna do? Chevy told me come through to the spot Got a little kickback, bring the whole crew Right around 10 came dressed in the nines You already know what we really finna do When we pull up on the scene, pull up on the scene Pull up on the scene, yeah we pull up on the scene See my life is a movie, pull up on the scene Did it so smooth